As you know, we have been focusing on the theme of passion, vision, and action. And we've been looking at the fact that these traits, characteristics, they represent Jesus because he was a man of passion, vision, and action. We've been looking at a passage of scripture from Matthew's gospel, specifically the ninth chapter of Matthew, verses 35 through 38. We've been looking at how this passage reveals that Jesus truly was a man of passion. And his passion was people. His passion was for people. He was also a man of vision. When he saw the multitudes, the Bible says he saw them as sheep, not goats, but as sheep without a shepherd. And then we noted that he was a man of action as well. Because Jesus was not content with just telling people. He showed them. He healed all manner of sickness and disease. He delivered people from demon powers that were holding them captive and oppressed. Jesus was a man of passion, vision, and action. And so we're going to look again at Matthew 9, verses 35 through 38. It says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now, I want you to notice that there is a word used there. That is a word that when you come across it, it is important to follow what Bible teachers say concerning it. It's the word, therefore. And what Bible teachers say that whenever you come across that word, therefore, you should check what it's there for. Jesus said, therefore. Why? If we look at what he just finished saying before, therefore, he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray. Therefore, pray. He just finished describing a possibility as well as a necessity. Possibility. Harvest is plentiful. Necessity. Labors are few. And then he gives us the strategy and the solution for the necessity. He says, pray. If you were to come to me and say, Pastor, I have this gigormous or ginormous opportunity. But truth be told, I also have a great need because I really don't feel I'm qualified to meet the opportunity that is before me then I would say to you, there's still a solution. The solution is prayer. Because see, when you and I implement prayer, we're bringing God into the equation. And the fact of the matter is, I may not have the numbers, but God and I make a majority. The fact is that all I may present to God is my willingness and weakness. But you bring willingness and weakness 
plus God's wisdom, God's power, then it equals favor on your side. You and I, the redeemed of the Lord, those of us that have come to faith in God through Jesus Christ, we have within our reach, at our disposal, the most powerful weapon that there is, not only for warfare, but the most powerful weapon that there is when the work before us seems beyond our capacity to accomplish it. That weapon is prayer. Prayer matters. Why? Because every time you and I call upon the Lord, it is an invitation from us for Him to come and do what only He can do. When you and I pray, it not only leads to healing of our body, but our God says that if we pray, it will lead to the healing of the land. We have the solution. We have the solution. Prayer is powerful. A preacher of time past by the name of Samuel Chadwick, he stated, the one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from prayerlessness or prayerless studies, prayerless work, and prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil mocks at our wisdom but he trembles when we pray someone else noted satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint on his knees why because when you get on your knees in prayer before almighty god you are transferring your need from your hands to his hands you are dis- you are you are you are demonstrating that you recognize that this battle is beyond your ability but it is not beyond his ability and you are transferring the battle from your hands to his hands years ago I read a book concerning intercession intercession is when you and I come before God and pray on behalf of someone else or on behalf of a need that exists in someone else's life. And in this book, I found a quote that has stuck with me. It was stated by Reese Howell. Reese Howell said, History belongs to the intercessor. History, history belongs to the intercessors. Pastor Mark Batterson stated it this way in his book, Whim the Day. Prayer is the way we write history before it happens. It's the difference between letting things happen and making things happen. CWC Life, if we will pray, we will see God make history through us. He's the one that stated through the prophet Haggai. He said the glory of the latter house will be greater than the former. I thank God for all that he's done 
in the past. But God is inviting you and I to see Him do something greater in the present. God is saying, if you, this generation, will pray, the glory that you will see in your time will be greater than the glory that has been seen in the past. Now there are two questions this week that I want to look at and then seek to answer through the scripture. The first question is this, who are we to pray to? Who are we to pray to? Jesus tells us there in Matthew 9:38, he said, "Pray the Lord of the harvest." He said, pray the Lord of the harvest. The Greek word for Lord here, it's the word kurios. Kurios. It's from a root word, kairos, which means supremacy. It speaks of supreme in authority. That is, as a noun, controller, by implication, master as a respectable or respectful title. Jesus is saying, pray to the Lord. Pray to the one who is supreme in authority. Pray to the one who is in control. Pray to the one who is large and in charge. Pray to the one who is ultimate authority. And the reason why he is supreme in authority is because He is almighty. He possesses all power. You see, He is not only in a position of authority, but He possesses the power that backs up His authority. He's King of kings because He has greater power than any other king. He's Lord of lords because He's got greater power than any other Lord. He's God of gods because He's he's got greater power than any other God. You see, He is supreme in authority because He possesses all power. His power is unlimited. His power is unequaled. His power is matchless. This is why when you pray, know who you are praying to. Understand, acknowledge who you are praying to. You are praying to the Lord. You are praying to the one who is large and in charge. You are praying to ultimate authority. You see, there are people. There are people of position. There are people of monarchy. There are people of royalty. They are in positions of power. But the problem is they are finite. God is infinite. The problem with them is that with them they will come across situations that are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Why? Because He is unlimited. He is unlimited. And so Jesus says, when you pray, know who you're praying to. Because if you come and you acknowledge that He is Lord, that He is Most High, then you will know that not only is He matchless, but that your need doesn't compare to His ability to supply it. Why pray to the Lord of the harvest? This is why. Because He is the only one that can see to it that there is harvest. 
What do you mean, Pastor? This is what the Apostle Paul was alluding to. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 and 7. 1 Corinthians 3, 6 and 7. Paul writes, I planted the seeds in your hearts. And Apollos watered it. But it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God, catch it, God makes the seed grow. He's the Lord of the harvest. We go, we sow the seeds into people's lives. Others of us, we water the seed through follow-up, through following up, through our prayers. But ultimately, it's only God that can cause the seed that has been sown to germinate. It's only God that can cause the seed, to the life that's in the seed, to come forth and bud and bring forth the fruit that is promised and potentially within that seed. It's only God that makes the seed grow. Thank God that we are partners with Him. But the reality is that the only reason the enterprise of His kingdom that we're a part of succeeds is because of our senior partner, the Lord of the heart. He's the one that is a secret sauce. He's the one that makes the difference. That's why we pray to Him. He alone can take a heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. He alone can cause a sinner who is convinced that they're in the right and everybody is in the wrong to one day have an encounter in which the light turns on and they realize, I am in need of a Savior. He alone can turn the light on in the life of the person who has been blinded by the God of this age. He alone can break the demonic strongholds. He alone can demolish the barriers that the devil erects to keep people from him. And when we pray, we unleash God's power to break through and break out those that are bound. He is the Lord of the harvest. Who are we to pray to? The Lord. There were two young boys that were spending the night at their grandparents' house. At bedtime, the two boys knelt beside their beds to say their prayers. The youngest one began praying at the top of his lungs. I pray for a new bicycle. I pray for a new Xbox. I pray for a new iPad. His older brother leaned over and nudged him and said, Why are you shouting your prayers? God isn't deaf. I know, he said, but Grandma is. (laughs) Oftentimes, when we pray, we may wonder if God is deaf because we do not receive or we don't obtain the answer that we desired. But look at the words of Paul who penned these words to the church of Galatia. In Galatians 4, verse 6. Galatians 4, verse 6. It says, and because we are His children, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. Notice, prompting us to call out, Abba, 
Father, the Greek verb that is used here for call out, it's a strong word. Usually translated as shouting, shouting. What is Paul saying? The Holy Spirit himself is at work within us to prompt our crying out aloud to God. And because God is compassionate, gracious, and always faithful to his promises, he will indeed hear and answer these cries that he himself inspires. There have been moments in my journey, there have been times in my walk with God when I'm before God and all of a sudden I feel deep within me a desire to cry out and I just begin to cry out and I'm like, why am I crying out? Paul tells me, it's the Holy Spirit that is prompting you, that is stirring you to cry out to the Lord of the harvest. He's stirring you to cry out because this crying is in accordance to the will of God. And I'm saying to you, there's some of you that you're going to find yourself in your walk with God at times. You're going to feel an intensity to want to cry out and you're going to feel like, is there something wrong with me? No, there's something right going on. God by His Spirit is prompting you to pray a prayer that He's ready to answer. God by His Spirit is directing your attention from your knees to Himself so that He can work in your life. second question that I want to look at is what are we to pray for? What are we to pray for? Jesus answers it in Matthew 9, 38. Pray for this. Lord of the harvest, send out laborers. He didn't tell us in this text within the context of this passage. He did not tell us, the church, to pray for the harvest. He told us, pray for the workers. Pray that the Lord will send out laborers, workers. In a commentary that I was studying in preparation for this message, I found this commentary by Charles Haddon Spurgeon. He noted concerning the phrase, send out laborers. Now the Greek is much more forcible. It is that he would push them forward and thrust them out. It's the same word which is used for the expulsion of a devil or demon from a man possessed. He concludes by noting, it takes great power to drive a devil out. It will need equal power from God to drive a minister out to his work. Sometimes we believers are stubborn. It's like the guy who was on a transit bus and he had been praying, Lord, 
Send someone my way so that I can share the good news with them. Would you know it, at the next stop, as he's still waiting to get to his route, a guy comes and ends up sitting by him. And as soon as this guy sits by him, the guy starts telling him about all his problems and all the depression that he's been battling with and the anxiety. Here's this Christian. He's like, Lord, send me the opportunity. Lord's like, are you listening? Are you listening? And here's the reality. In most congregations, less than 20% of believers are actually reaching out to the unsaved, to the lost. And yet, every day, we come across people that are hurting, people that are lost, people that are in need of what we have to offer. And the Lord says, pray this, pray to the Lord for the workers. Why? Because here's the thing about God. God is the only one who can move the immovable, the unmovable. God is the only one who can stir up His gift or gifts that lie dormant in believers. God is the only one that can stir up to action those that are stuck in inaction. God alone. We read in the book of Haggai, chapter 1, verse 14. Haggai, chapter 1, verse 14. says, So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shiltel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. Watch. And they came out and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. But I like the way the New Living Translation puts it. It says, So the Lord sparked enthusiasm. The enthusiasm of Zerubbabel and the enthusiasm of Yeshua and the enthusiasm of the whole remnant of God's people. Did you see that? It's the Lord that sparked the enthusiasm. The word enthusiasm, it it comes from a root word, N-E-N-Theos, T-H-E-O-S, that means in God in God. When you are really in God, you will be enthusiastic. When you are really in God, you will be on fire. Don't tell me that you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you could care less about your neighbor. Don't tell me that you love God with everything within you, and you can't pick up a broom and help clean the house of the Lord. Don't tell me that you love God, and you can't volunteer to do the work of God. Don't. No, 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 no. It don't work that way, my friend. If I really love God, I can't wait for the opportunity to be of help. I can't wait to build up His work. I can't wait to tell somebody there is still hope for you. His name is Jesus Christ. Woo! 
Back in the day, my dad used to use the illustration of the turtle. And he said this. He goes, have you ever gotten a turtle, picked it up? He says, you grab that turtle and that turtle instinctively, when you pick it up, it'll go into its shell. He goes, and, and as long as you've got that turtle, it'll stay in its shell. He goes, and you can get that turtle and you can hold it in a, a, a bowl of water and it'll stay in its shell. And you can then get that turtle and you can put it on the ground and you can step on it and it'll still stay in its shell. He goes, but there's one sure way of getting that turtle out of its shell. Remember, it was back in the day. He goes, you, you, go, you go and get yourself a 99 cent big lighter. He says, and then you get on the tail end of that turtle. He says, and, and then you just, and then you light the lighter. You get it going, and then at the tail end, you just leave it there, he says. He says, and I guarantee you, after a while, you're going to see the turtle's legs come out, and you're going to see the turtle's neck come out, and you're going to see that turtle begin to want to move away from the flame. He goes, and, and that's what God needs to do with some of you. He needs to light your tail in with the fire of the Holy Ghost. Because if there's sure one surefire way for you to get out of your shell, for the church to get out of its shell and reach out, it's through the fire of the Holy Ghost. When God ignites us, when He sparks us with enthusiasm, we can't, we can't keep quiet. Because when God God gets a hold of you and lights you up, you'll be like Jeremiah. You'll say it's like fire shut up in my bones. I can't keep it. You'll get what Dr. E.B. Hill used to call the can't help it. I can't help but praise God. I can't help but tell others about Jesus. Why? Because there's a fire that is burning that he started in my life that won't allow me to stay quiet about it. Woo! This is why I pray for you. This is why I pray for me, because I know it's only by His Spirit that we can be stirred up to take the action that we ought to take to rebuild His house, to build up His temple, to reach out to the lost. In the words of Hudson Taylor, he said, It is possible to move men through God by prayer alone. It is possible to move men through God by prayer alone. I like to say, I can either stay in frustration or exercise intercession. I can either stay in frustration that nobody's doing anything, nothing is happening, or I can exercise intercession. Because see, in my frustration, I cannot move you. But through intercession, when I call out to God, I call out to the one that can move a mountain, the one that can open up the Red Sea, the one that can make a way where there is no way. And when I pray, in the words of Charles Spurgeon, prayer is a slender nerve that moves the hand of God. His hand moves. What did Jesus say? Pray. The Lord of the harvest. Send out labors. Listen. If Jesus said to pray it, it's because God intends to answer it. If Jesus said to pray it, it's because God intends to answer it. In the words of Pastor Craig Rochelle, prayer shouldn't be our last line of defense, but rather our first line 
of offense. Church, we have in this hour a ginormous opportunity to reach more people for Jesus Christ than ever before. But you say, we don't have what it takes, Pastor. Oh, but we do have who it takes. We have Almighty God. And if we pray, He will act. If we pray, He will work to get the workers out. Charles Stanley reminds us, fight all your battles on your knees and you win every time. In the words of Oswald Chambers, prayer does not equip us for greater works. Prayer is the greater work. Don't underestimate, church, the power of prayer. Because when you pray, you are inviting God into the battlefield. When you pray, you are giving God a foothold on the camp of battle. When you pray, it leads to heaven opening and God's angels being dispatched to carry out His bidding according to His word. When we pray, the tide begins to turn. It goes from what I can do to what God can do. In spite of what the devil has done, what God can do will undo what He's done and establish what He wills to be done on earth. In his Bible exposition commentary, Dr. Warren Wiersbe writes concerning this passage of Matthew 9, 35-38. Not only did Jesus heal, he also taught and preached. But he could not do the work alone. He needed others to help him. He requested that his disciples pray that God would provide the needed workers. It was not long before the disciples themselves were involved in the ministry of preaching, teaching, and healing. We see that in Matthew 10. In the same way, when we pray as He commanded, we will see what He saw. Vision. Feel what He felt. Passion. And do what he did, action. God will multiply our lives as we share in the great harvest that is already ripe. Dr. J. Wilbur Chapman, a famous evangelist of time past, said that the New Testament records of 40 people, each suffering from the same disease, who were healed by Jesus. Of this number, 34 were either brought to Jesus by friends or he was taken to them. In only six cases out of 40 did the sufferers find the way to Jesus without assistance. What's your point, Pastor? It is this, of the vast number of people who find their way to Jesus today, most of them reach Him 
because the friends of Jesus are concerned about the welfare of their souls. You will discover along with me that Jesus told the disciples to pray for the Lord to send out workers. But as soon as you go to the next chapter, chapter 10, verses 1 and 2, He sends them out. What does that show us? When He calls us to pray for something, He also wants us to be available to be the answer to the prayer that we're praying. That like Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, we would say, Here am I, Lord. Send me. CWC Life, there's harvest all over Tulare County. There's harvest all over Fresno County. There's harvest everywhere. People are broken. People are hurting. People need healing now. People are lost now. You remember last week I told you to pray. And I prayed that God would give us opportunities. Remember I mentioned about those, not coincidences, but works of divine providence. Where you get a call during the week from somebody you haven't heard from in a while. And you wonder, what's this, a coincidence? No, it's providence. God has given you opportunity to share your faith. Or you come across somebody at aisle 9 at Walmart that you haven't seen and hasn't been in church in a while and, and, ha- and you know that they're, they've gone away from God. Is that coincidence? No, that's providence. Well, would you know it? After church last week, after we had our lunch, my wife and I did our, our, the walk that we normally do throughout the week. We went out to the orchards to do our exercise walk and we took our dog and as we're out there, I'm coming around the corner of the, one of the trails of trees, I I noticed somebody, and then I recognized this person. They haven't been church in a while. And I know they're away from God right now. But that wasn't on my mind. You know what was on my mind? I have this app on my phone. It tells me how many steps I'm taking. All I'm thinking about, I need to get my steps done. I mean, so I see him, I said hi to the person, and, and behind me is my wife. You know what she did? She said hi, but then she said, can we pray for you? And you know what I thought about in that moment? Oh, shoot. I prayed about this at church this morning. I told God to give us opportunities. Well, oh, this was an opportunity in here. She, okay, she's going to do it. And then then she, after we prayed, you know, we invited that person, said, hey, you're always welcome back. And we're praying for you, believing. And the person said, yeah, I'd like to come back. And then we told them about the registration all that. I was like, wow. I was like, wow, that was quick. It was like if I was feeling him telling me, who do you think I am? That's what I do. I I was being me. And I'm going to pray today. I'm going to pray today for God 
light his big lighter. Place it on our tail and get us moving to rebuilding, to building his temple, to building his house, to reach out to the Lord. I'm going to pray for that, for God to stir up. Listen, when you're on fire for God, you don't have to be asked what needs to be done. You're looking for the opportunity to help what needs to be done. And you get engaged. You don't have to be praying all day, Lord, give me an opportunity. Because believe me, throughout your day, going to come. You just got to act. Say, here am I, Lord. Send me. Father, I believe the greatest harvest that your church, not only this church, but the church of Jesus Christ across this land of America, from the East Coast to the West Coast, has ever known is here right now. It's in our cities. It's in our towns. It's in our communities. But you told us to pray for the workers. And so I'm praying for us right now. I'm praying for us believers right now. Stir us up, God. Spark us with enthusiasm. God, we don't even have to be eavesdropping. People are talking out loud. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid. I'm anxious. I'm worried. Things aren't going good at home. Help us in those moments to recognize that's an open door. That you're giving us an opportunity to walk through. To share the hope that there is in Christ alone. Oh God, I pray that we would be as Isaiah. Willing. Oh. Here am I, Lord. Send me. Here am I, Lord. Work through me. Let me be your hands extended, Lord. Let me be your hands extended. Let me pray the prayer for your hand to move when you stir me up. Lord, let me be your hands extended. And Father, I'm praying today for revival in our city of Dinuba. As I pray this morning, God, have your way at Living Word Fellowship. Have your way at Dinuba Baptist Church. Have your way at Dinuba Nazarene Church. Have your way at Dinuba Presbyterian Church. Have your way at Dinuba Christian Church. Have your way at Evangel Bible. Have your way at Grace of God. Have your way, Lord, at Calvario Community Church. 
have your way, Father. I pray at New Beginnings Christian Center. Have your way at Dinuba First Assembly, God. Have your way at New Life Community. Lord, I pray in every church that names your name, that is seeking your will to be done. Father, spark with enthusiasm its leadership. Spark with enthusiasm its pastors. Spark with enthusiasm the whole remnant of your people in their houses of worship, Lord. And help us to move out to make a difference in reaching the harvest, oh God. Revive us again that we, your people, may find our delight in you. That we, your people, may rejoice in you. That you would be our delight, oh God. And to do your will would be our delight, Lord. God of revival, pour out your spirit in this hour. Lord of the harvest, move us.